1: Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen.
0: Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to The London Miss (laughs) Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast. A podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. It's
2: final ten minutes. it up, one by Costa. There you go, Costa. Now with Victor Moses. Falls here for Aspilicueta. Alonso messes it down. A with a slice, still in play to the question, squeeze it,
0: Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head on over to worldsoccershop.com for the exclu- not exclusive, best Chelsea champions gear out there. It is live, Chelsea fans. It does seem like we were just in London recording after the Middlesbrough match right there outside the stadium. But now, here we are, back stateside, recording what will surely be one of our most favorite episodes from this season. Right, Dan?
1: Oh, I think absolutely. And I know uh, Nick and I have, uh, Nick, I think we've prepared appropriately for this
2: podcast. I think so, yeah. So I just want to do something? Quickly, yeah, there, there it was. That that oh, was nice. Mm, That's good sound. I'm going to pour a little bubbly in here just to, oh, yeah. anyone hear the bubbles? Mm. You oh. want to be careful around technology. Yep, yep. Mine was a clean execution, though. That was good. Yeah, no, and, uh, nothing on the computer, Brandon. We're good. Yep. So, hey, uh, cheers, everyone, champions! A little, a little champagne. Champions! What a start <sighs>
0: to this podcast. I mean, if you didn't think it was going to be special, listeners. I think that right there indicates just what level we are on right now. And speaking of it being a special pod, obviously that means we need a special guest. And we have Nisar Kinsella back on the pod to help us cover what has been an incredible season for Chelsea.
3: Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. What a time to be on as well. Oh, it
0: is uh, fresh off the West Brom match last night, which we will be obviously jumping into real quick. Uh, but before that, Dan, um, I believe you need to tee Nick up with some iTunes reviews.
1: Yeah. Uh, for, first off, again, cheers, Nicholas. Hey, um, cheers. You know, let's yeah, take another sip of that wonderful beverage. Mm, mm. Um, but you, we've got a couple iTunes reviews this week. Uh, some people across the world, in Canada, the United States, even Germany, who uh, gave us a little love.
2: Germany, man. OK, so. I'm going to start with Germany because I feel like uh, I feel like Germany is pretty special here. So uh, Steve Nicolin uh, is is our first German iTunes review, which is, is awesome. So thank you, Steve. Um, and then we have, let's see, we got four from the U.S. as well. Uh, so we <laughs> all right. Um, let's see. Disc Golfer. Thank you. Uh, A Goldberg seven. Thank you. And 5.0. Thank you. And then Brogy 62. Those are all from the U.S. store. Thank you very much. And from Canada, our neighbors to the north, friendly, always uh, gracious. We have come on already. And the Drury or Drury 08, which uh, I believe is Ryan Drury, who won our uh, our JT kit giveaway.
0: I would be pretty confident in confirming
2: that. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So good for him. All right, well, let's do a quick uh, message from World Soccer Shop, and then we're going to jump right into our West Brom match preview. Here we go. Hey, Dan, how much do you like gold?
1: Well, the color gold is is fantastic. You know, I think it's good on uh, badges, on letters, on, mm. basically on the back of a kit to denote that you are, in fact, the champion of the league.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a symbol that you are the best, right? I mean, that's just kind of how it goes in society. So, uh World Soccer Shop is uh doing an awesome kit special right now that has uh either home uh we're looking at the home right now, blue, wonderful gold letters says champions on the back with the number 17. Uh it's on World Soccer Shop right now uh for let's see 74.99, very very cheap uh for a beautiful beautiful kit. So you should go on over to worldsoccershop.com using our referral link, best way to support our show. And uh, and pick yourself up one of those beauties. It is uh, it is tasty. All right, time
0: for West Brom match review. Obviously, it was in the Premier League, and we traveled up to the Hawthorns. It was this past Friday, May twelfth. Remember this date, Chelsea fans. Blues one, baggies zero. Dan, when it came to the lineup, uh, we still had a couple changes from the overall squad lineup that we've seen this season, but not really much from Middlesbrough.
1: Yeah, you know, so we had a chance to see Courtois between the sticks, Aspilicletta, David Luiz, Cahill in that back three, Victor Moses, Cesc Fabregas retains his spot as N'Golo Conte uh, rested on the sidelines. You know, we also saw uh, Nemanja Matic, Marcus Alonso, and then PhD up top, Pedro Hazard and Costa.
0: So, Nisar, could you ever imagine a a moment when N'Golo Kante throws a fit because he's not playing? (laughs)
3: Uh, No, uh, no (laughs) way. He's a a consummate professional, isn't he? Um, It was a surprise not to see him playing, but uh, I guess he wasn't 100% match fit, was he? So, uh, having had that thigh injury that kept him out of the Middlesbrough game, um, but we'll see him back against Watford. Bit of a dead rubber now, but... Uh, a game to celebrate next up after this, but uh, yeah, no way would he ever kick up a fuss about being on the bench.
0: Well, Nick, thankfully, we do have uh, a fun question I think to kick this off with. So the question was from Instagram. It's from First Hipster, <laughs> and they asked us, looking <laughs> back, at what point did you guys think we're going to win the league?
2: Um. Man, I, I think I think beating Spurs in uh, what was that November uh, when we were kind of in the middle of that, that uh, 13 match winning streak. I think that was kind of the the sim- signal to me that they were taking this extraordinarily seriously um, and to beat, you know, I think the team that we've had the most trouble with this year at home. Uh, just kind of set the tone, and I think kind of put Spurs at a mental disadvantage. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that one. The f- the first uh, win against Spurs uh, at home. That's that's from way back when. Wow, I yep. I definitely didn't. Uh, uh, Dan, do you
0: have kind of a specific moment that you're like, here it is, we're gonna do it.
1: Uh, I really liked when Casa got back on the score sheet. That was that was a good moment to uh, yes. make me believe he was gonna carry us over the the line there. Uh, I think when Hazard kind of started popping in the second half of the season, though, knowing that 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 magic was finding a way to supplement in the the goal absence of Costa was probably when I I started to believe. But I was probably the most confident after we went away to Everton and uh, smashed it up there.
0: You know, Nisar, for you, obviously, just kind of covering the team all season. I'm sure you're hoping, you know, as a journalist, it goes right to the very end. Um, But it seemed like a lot of the media had a kind of a a bit of a quiet confidence that Chelsea were going to do it.
3: Yeah, I think um that Chelsea had the easier running when it came down to it after squeezing, you know, past Everton, which was the last big test of the season. Uh and you just felt from there on in it was an inevitability from that point. But uh yeah, I think I think Chelsea have been favourites for a very long time. They've been top of the league now for a 185 days, um, which is quite a while, and uh, they've always looked like favourites. They they had a bigger gap in it, and it got cut down a bit by Spurs. But uh, they, you know, they they just had more. They had more to give at the end of the season. Spurs eventually got tired. They eventually mentally crumbled as well. They're not they don't have the experience or the mentality of champions just yet, and that uh, Chelsea proved that you know they were the best over the course of the season and absolutely every chelsea fan should be so delighted with what the players have done this season
0: you know for me i was a little later to the absolute knew it was going to happen party i think that during the 13 match win streak you're like all right we've got something special here uh, but once tottenham lost last friday then i was like okay like it's it's done like chelsea're going to do the business literally need three points from three games and that's all you know, maybe I'm a little more cautious than apparently other fans, and I get it. But uh, if you guys want to tweet at us or throw us messages on Instagram, emails, let us know for you when you thought that, yeah, Chelsea are going to do it. This is for sure. But we do need to run down the goal of the match, the 82nd-minute Mishi Batshuayi with the 150 million-pound goal. He was in the exact right place as Aspie slotted a Cahill Shank right into the six yard box for Mishi to finish Nick. I mean, absolute scenes at Brits where I was watching it. Do you want to do you want to
2: recount the scenes at Brits? Oh, I've got I mean, video footage, but it's very shaky from jumping around a lot. Yeah, I mean, this was uh an Antonio Conte masterclass again. I mean, to bring on. Uh, a a guy in Mishi who has rarely featured this season who has been on the bench who I think we've all had major questions about uh, to throw him in there and replace uh, Pedro who you know was was trying his best but couldn't really get anything going uh, was a a a gutsy move and it paid off in in spades I mean Mishi started off his you know however many minutes he had on the pitch with three fouls right away and, and just looked kind of like he was ready to bully uh, bully uh, West Brom a little bit. And you know then he just kind of found some space and it, it was very reminiscent of the goal he scored against Watford, which is kind of out of nowhere. I mean, Cahill shanks, Aspie crosses, you know, it, it just was a, a weird kind of scenario. But I, I also think, Dan, this was one of those goals that the TV angle did us no favors on because you know, it got deflected as Michi kind of put it past um, the, the goalkeeper and the ball just kind of hung in the air forever. And I thought it was I thought it was going over the bar. Oh, the, the photos afterwards, which give you the
1: opposite angle, just watching it, you know, blow past and Michi's reaction as he's watching the ball go in is, it, you know, just something special. I'll kind of have a mental snapshot of that forever. But the the, the best part of that was that the pressure for about a good full minute Kept on pushing the ball further in the box, knocking it out, knocking it around, and it, you know when you have Asplauqueta you know, basically on the line about to cross the ball before it goes out of play, like you could see that almost everyone that could be up in the box, crowding it to force the goal, made that happen, and Mishi just was able to slot in perfectly, and you know the the minutes for Mishi finally paid off, and
0: it's uh, it's a good feeling. You know, people haven't appreciated Mishi for what he's done. No, I'm I'm not going to go in real hard, but (laughs) it's pretty nuts, right? Like, in the Premier League, he's got two goals and one assist in only 127 minutes. So, like, you know, obviously, Nisar, we know that he's not getting a lot of minutes. I mean, he's still holding his own for the most part when he's gotten in.
3: Ah, yeah, his goal his goal per minute ratio must be pretty good. I need to dig that out. But um, yeah, he, he, he does all right. I think a lot of fans like him. But um, I think there maybe isn't quite that tactical intelligence that some players like Diego Costa have. Uh, it's quite a big job to lead that line, to be the central focal point of your team, um, and and you know battle, uh, be the outlet, and uh, you know do that thing on the counter-attack, but he showed what he was great at. And actually, I think uh, Michi Batshawai's goal, it it looks like it's a a crappy tapping, but it's actually a brilliant, brilliant goal. I think it was... uh, Because West Brom were stubbornly defending all game and uh, to find that space in the box wasn't easy. Not many players would be alert to... And, you know, the West Brom defenders were alert to, uh, you know, getting into the box, getting into position when somebody like Cahill like shanks it. I mean, Aspilicueta may not have got there and a lot of strikers wouldn't have um, found themselves in a position uh, in that scenario. But Michi is is a good poacher. He's a good finisher and that's what he's best at. And uh, yeah, it was a a tactical uh, genius move from Conte. Um, Playing two up top uh, with Costa and Michi doesn't happen very often with Chelsea, uh, which is another thing that maybe Conte could have used more this season. But yeah, it paid off brilliantly. And I just think... Finding that space is so is not easy against the team playing in the back six, and uh, Mitchy found it, and he seems to have all the space in the world. But yeah, the the assist was great as well, really great from Aspie. Um, I don't think he got man of the match, but I don't think he was man of the match. Uh, but I just thought that assist was everything that he's he's done this season. He's so committed, isn't he? And you guys must love him as uh, Chelsea boys.
0: There's no shortage of love for for Aspie on this podcast, that is for sure. Um, At Sid Celery also chipping in, saying three shots in his Chelsea career and two goals is a pretty good record. Uh, But real quick, uh, Naz, do you know, so I was trying to figure this out, when we went to two up top, obviously Pedro for William is a like-for-like replacement, but do you know what kind of formation Conte kind of shifted the team into? And maybe not, because at that point he was literally throwing everyone forward, saying we need this goal goal
3: yeah I don't think he changed the formation too much I think it was it was still a 3-4-3 which is strange because it's not great for Mitchie that formation but uh, I think he was I think it was a like-for-like replacement William was weirdly playing on the left and uh, Mitchie was playing on the right um, which you know that's where his goal came from he was on the right side Uh, yeah so I think Conte just you know he he do, he's quite experimental something we haven't seen him do before I've never seen William play on the left uh, for Chelsea and all season so um, but sometimes you do that because you, if you get a right footer on the left side he can cut inside and and shoot so I think that's what Conte was going for he wanted sort of his players to run at the West Brom defence who were giving away a lot of fouls and uh, and try and get some shots off from the edge of the box and uh, and yeah. Mitchie had to adapt to a new way of playing, but he he wasn't he didn't really do much apart from score, which is his main job. But he only touched the ball eight times. I didn't, don't know if you guys realize that in twenty one minutes. So, um, and most of his sort of moments of the game were fouls. He gave away quite a few fouls, um, but he got the goal, and that's all that matters.
0: You know, Nick, I can't verify for sure if that lion tattoo on his left quad is new or not, but it clearly influenced it
2: because he finished with his left. I mean, it was just fate. It was, um, you know, I think I think we all just need to go get tattoos for the things that we want to go and do. <laughs> so I think that's pretty much the, the only way that that works um
0: okay let's go ahead and dig into this one a little bit is this match wore on and chelsea just weren't able to break through west brom's defense plus they were even getting a couple chances uh it was a little bit of a slapstick defending on that one breakaway where uh chadley ended up passing wide but for the most part uh did you start to worry that chelsea might not get the result in this match dan i mean i mean be honest
1: Oh, there, there were there were just some wonky things happening. I mean the probably the weirdest thing that happened the entire match was the Johnny Evans uh spinning handball where he just pirouettes <laughs> around it that to this to this you know, to future generations will wonder how he got away with that one, uh just with some tactical play. But it, you know, when you start to get up into the ten, fifteen, twenty 20, shots on target and nothing getting in, it definitely had a little bit of worrisome moments. And you know, I think, you know, we we all, you know, probably we felt that we wanted to see some type of substitution. And, you know, the, the challenge is when you, you know, the substitution that usually has been made this season is to put Cesc Fabregas on and have him help unlock Diego Costa or connect with either Pedro or Hazard. And he was already on the pitch, so that wasn't going to be an option. So the the move to bring on Mishi and William and to, to take off Hazard and Pedro, who had gone at it all game and really just hadn't found the final ball, was was brilliant. And I think, you know, when you saw the press that was happening in the 78th, 80th, you know, 82nd minute at leading up to the goal, I think you just felt it was coming based upon how many people were loaded up in that box. And knowing that, you know, after 80 minutes of play, those West Brom defenders uh, were getting getting pretty tired.
0: Nick, you know, obviously sitting at work, it's tense there because you can't really express your emotions. I mean, how Mm -hmm. are you doing?
2: You know, it was, uh, it it was interesting. I mean, I I work for a great company, so uh, no one really uh, looked at me sideways for for being, we have like this coffee house area that, you know, has TV that I, I logged into NBC Sports on and. Uh, it was just you know for those who had no idea what the hell I was doing, it was probably a little weird. But I don't care. Um, you know, it was it was something I felt I needed to do. You know, you, you only have these opportunities a couple times in a lifetime uh, for a lot of fans, and uh, I wanted to take full advantage while also Brandon still being professional and holding meetings. So, yep, that
0: that's what that was. All right, uh, sure. You know, Nas, any any kind of bit of. Uh, discussions in the media area maybe some questions being asked if Chelsea were going to be able to get over the line this one
3: well I think I think that I I always expected Chelsea to get over the line in that game I just think I just think that you know West Brom were sort of on holiday but actually they proved to to everyone that they were well up for it but yeah I just thought um, I just you know, they're champions. I fancy Chelsea to win every game they play in pretty much. Um, you know, except maybe the away games against the top six. So uh, and Chelsea don't play for draws as well. What what Conte's substitution showed you is that uh, Conte's teams don't play for draws and that was quite an aggressive move. I thought, you know, he could have been he could have more subtly gone for the win, you know, he could have gone for Kante for Matic who's slightly more you know, he drives forward a bit more from midfield, he's got a slightly better maybe delivery and he Cause a bit of havoc with a different kind of threat, but no, he went for he went for the he went for the kitchen sink. He just threw it right at them, and he was like, "No, we will win the title in this game." And uh, he, you know, even in a tough game against the against the committed and uh, typically Tony Pulis side, he 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 wasn't he wasn't deterred from making sure that he got that win. It was uh, it just shows you that that's part of the excitement of watching Chelsea at the moment is that uh, Conte doesn't settle for anything less than victory.
0: It's been absolutely uh, fantastic to watch at the end of the season. Uh, it's been great. Uh, like I said, I mean, it, it was a it's a bit of a tough match to take in. You know, there were some times where you weren't really sure if it was going to happen. Uh, it's a bit of, some lull points in the match, but uh, especially seeing Conte's substitutions really kind of reignited, uh, I think, a lot of fans saying, we're definitely going for this. Question number two. Um, So, Nick, you sent over this lovely graphic in our group chat, and it shows Chelsea ranked first in so many categories. Which one is your favorite, and which do you think is maybe the biggest change from last season? I mean, real quick, just so obviously our beautiful listeners who can't see this, uh, Chelsea ranked first in wins, goals scored, shot conversion rate away wins fewest starting 11 changes fewest minutes trailed in matches goals scored by defenders goals from outside the box fewest shots on target faced and points lost in final 10 minutes obviously this is cherry-picked a little bit to things Chelsea are in first in
2: but I think it's just a wide variety of Chelsea's strengths this season yeah, that the of everything. I mean, the wins mean the most. But, you know, if you if you got to take that one out, uh, I think probably the shot conversion rate is what impresses me the most. I mean, it's 20 percent, uh, which is, uh, you know, it seems high to me. But um, but yeah, I think that's, you know, especially after last year where, where seemingly nothing went in for Chelsea. I mean, that's a huge improvement. Um, Dan, Obviously fewest starting eleven changes
0: isn't a huge statistic achievement for Chelsea. It just kinda of shows more about the player personnel and how Conte went about it. But how about points lost in final 10 minutes? That's one that I really am excited about. Yeah, so we
1: definitely you know games last season where you know we would, you know, struggle to to lock down that defense and to continue to press forward. And I think what's different now is with Conte is that and you know, Naz was making the comment that, you know, he goes for the win and it doesn't matter if you're up 2-0 or 3-0. You know, we, we want to continue to score. You know, we want to go for four. We want to go for five. And, you know, there has been a couple of defensive substitutions. We even saw it in this game you know, where Zuma has come on. But we usually tend to put in, you know, attacking personnel when it goes into a substitution moment. I mean, you know, only when it's maybe been through injury or to come lockdown a particular mode has someone like Ake or Zuma come on. So, you know, I, I love that one. I also love the fact that we also have goals from outside the box, which when you think about our play, um, usually has been, you know, some kind of close proximity shots, take a cost on the box. But uh, there have also been some some Pedro Howler you know, uh, screamers and Scorchers that have kind of nicked into the box too, so are nicking for a goal. So there's definitely some really cool stats on here. And uh, did, Naz, do you have a favorite one?
3: Um, yeah, I think... I think the conversion rate is interesting. Um, you can see it though, it's evident. Like watching Chelsea, uh, a word that everyone uses is ruthless. They're ruthless. And uh, there's a lot of games that they, they're they so clinical that they can turn a draw into a win. Uh, they can uh, compete toe to toe with a great Premier League side and it's a bit 50 50, like the Man City game at Stamford Bridge. Um, but they just outscore teams just because. A chance comes along, they take it and other sides don't. Man United don't take their chances, Man City don't take their chances, and that's why they're not champions. And uh, you know <coughs> I think that I think that that's that's such an important stat and uh it's something that everyone's latched onto and uh and could be envious of and there's so many goal threats across the team as well. If you um look at the top scorers for Chelsea, there's Gary Cahill with eight goals, it's incredible, and he'll probably score more. Um and Willian off the bench has scored loads of goals and and things like that. So um, it's just the the way Chelsea find the goals. It, there's threats all over. Goals scored by defenders. Look at that. Um, and and you look at other teams and they don't have that.
0: Well, I would love to run down uh, Chelsea's top goal scorers for you, Naz. Uh, Diego Costa on 20 at the top, of course. Eden Hazard chipping in with a healthy 15. Pedro on 8. Willian on 7. Alonso and Cahill at 6. And that's just the top 5. you still got Fabregas, Moses, Batshuai, N'Golo David Luis, and Nemanja Matic, rounding out the top 10. So, just the way it looks, like you said... Threats from all over the pitch uh, and that is something that's probably really helped Um, you know Chelsea get across the line especially in adverse moments which has been fantastic next one up yeah yeah go ahead did you want to keep running on the fact that so many people pitching in has really helped
3: yeah, it has. If you think about Diego Costa's form, something that you guys have talked about in the past, um, he, he's he's had bad spells, but there's always somebody else to step up. If Pedro stepped up on many occasions, Hazard has as well, and and it, it's it's just great to have that sort of option because other teams like lose players and that can ruin their season, but with Chelsea, they're not. Really over reliant on most of their players. Maybe the wing backs a little bit uh, needed just for the balance aspect. But for goals, they don't rely on any individual, and uh, it spreads that sort of responsibility across lots of players. And I think that that's important over the course of a season. Um, you know, thirty eight games. People things happen to people. People go out of form. Go into form. They get injured. They get small knocks. And just having that responsibility spread across lots of talented players can make all the difference
0: well next one up we've got how special do you think antonio conte is or did the players just turn up this season dan and and just to you know lead you into this i just want to point out that sky sports news hq verified on twitter uh did have a misspell of antonio conte so hey guys it can happen to anyone all right not just nick
2: uh, yeah. Thanks. Wow, that, <laughs> thanks.
1: That's wonderful. Super. Way to, way to throw Nick under the uh, the bus there.
2: Yeah, At least it'll be a, an open top bus that has champions written on the side of it. But yeah, thanks, BB. Well, I mean, look. There you go. That's we, that's one to get rolled over. We all know
0: that William yeah. converts to William and Conte, for whatever reason, converts
2: to Kanye. <laughs> Are
0: you serious? I, I've not seen that happen.
1: I, I have. Oh, that's
2: happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. Whoops! All right, so Dan, uh,
0: obviously Antonio Conte or are the players just refining their form.
1: I think I think it's both. I think it's the the way that Conte came into this club, came into the side, you know, connected with the the fans, the supporters, the players, um, and, and drove this. You know, you look at the way that he's played, you know, in other leagues, uh, you know, as a player, very passionate, as a manager, just as passionate as he was on the pitch and you know he's done things like this before you know he took a 11th place uh you know Bari side up to first the next season you know with Juventus he was a serial winner there and, and came in first in the league you know over 3 seasons and you know now in his first season here after taking a year off to you know coach Italy and take them further into the euros than than many thought you know, he was able to take aside transform it rebuild it into his own image of of workers and i think the quote i saw is you know yesterday was that Pirlo had told Frank Lampard, you know, when they had signed Conte, that uh, you should let them know that they're never going to run as much as they have now that Conte's there or, uh, uh, Antonio Conte is there. So ultimately, you know, it, it's what he did and what he infused into this side to make it likable, to make it where people who are neutral, who maybe have hated Chelsea in the past, you know, because of our managers or because of just winning. And you know, had a chance to enjoy this as a fan and to enjoy a, a fan of the sport rather than just as a fan of Chelsea. And I think that is the special thing that he brings is his passion and his intensity. And, and I think you've had a chance to see it pretty close up, Naz, with you know, where the press box was located in Stamford Bridge and you know the type of action that he puts into the sidelines and the
3: way that he works throughout the game. Yeah, yeah, definitely, Dad. Yeah, seen him, seen him week in, week out, really. And, uh, yeah, he does, I think I loved your point about, um, his love of the game. He loves football. Um, he's a really, you know, he's a really academic football man. But he understands uh, everyone's sort of job around football. He's nice to the journalists. He's nice to the staff. He, you know, he gets presents for for people at Christmas, and uh, that 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 extends to everyone, even outside of the first team picture. Um, and I think that 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 just shows you that uh, he 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 understands. Uh, you know he's great at working with people, but he also understands what every every aspects of being at a top club is about. And uh, and but he's really humble. Like his comments when he sent Middlesbrough down, um, being really sympathetic um, with Middlesbrough's plight, with and being really impressed by their fans. Uh, you know who stayed to applaud applaud their team off, even though they got relegated. Conte <coughs> was sort of really charmed by that story, and that just shows you that. Maybe other managers, not saying, not mention any names, wouldn't really <laughs> care about what other teams do. Uh, they wouldn't care about, uh, you know the relegation threatened side, but Conte has that empathy and that human touch that really charms everyone. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you're saying, is it Conte's achievement or the players? I mean, it extends to everyone. Um, everyone who's, you know, played five plus games who's officially going to be recognised with a Premier League medal. Those Those guys have all contributed massively and they're all champions.
1: You know, to me, it's almost he's the type of manager that if the club wasn't going to pay out the extra money to get the medals, he would take it out of his own cut to go get the additional medals to award to you know players that have contributed and you know either behind the scenes or you know not even on the pitch this year.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I have a feeling that you know if if someone comes up with you know a game short or two games short that they're they're going to get a medal. I mean, Schwarzer got a medal for for God's sake, so. Um, I think I think everyone's going to be well taken care of with some bling so Antonio Conte joins a
0: select group of managers to win the Premier League title in their first season Wenger did it back in 98 Mourinho in 05 Encelotti in 10 Pellegrini in 14 Ranieri in 16 and Conte now in 17 obviously it's nice that he can now be the third Chelsea manager uh to do that. Obviously I think Chelsea are a little more poised to have that record because we always seem to have a high level of players. Managers maybe have less time, but we all are looking forward to Antonio Conte being given full reins this summer as he gets prepared to defend the title and most importantly head into Europe, which I think we'll get into a lot more as as we get into social media questions. Um we haven't done this in a while guys, but I thought this was an appropriate time to do the player makes you feel blank. So I'm not going to limit to one word or anything. I just want to throw this out there. So Mishi, that's you. makes you feel blank. Nick, what do you got?
2: Just Mishi, the person or, or Mishi, the goal scoring, uh, title deciding. I mean, I Michi. think they're one in the same now. Okay. Um, I, I just I think he makes me laugh like he, he just has a personality that, um, you know, we've we've quoted him on some tweets on this show that I, I'm not sure anyone else on the team uh, would have had that kind of um, personality trait. So, I, you know, he, he makes me laugh and I think he brings a lot of levity uh, to this team uh, and has shown a lot of really good spirit throughout the year. Dan, how does Mishi make you feel?
1: I think it's a good shout. He's definitely, you know, a humorist in addition to being a goal-storing threat. I would say, though, he made me feel, you know, he, I feel, you know, vindicated and, you know, kind of obviously, you know, I think we've all, you know, supported him a lot and wanted to see him, you know, get that opportunity. And I think, you know, now that we have a couple games left in the season, he'll get a little bit more time to shine and show off what he's got and, you know, really, you know, give people an understanding of the type of player he can be and what he potentially could do for Chelsea. So uh, beyond scoring a fantastic goal with his left foot, kind of popping it right over the goalkeeper, which was uh, quite, quite exquisite.
0: You know, for me, Mishi makes me feel like a child again. I mean, he seems like a kid trapped in a man's body. Even when he's even (laughs) when he scored, like the amount of just pure emotion and just like it just over over the moon i mean that guy it was amazing and obviously no grown man would normally dress like that especially when he's away on belgium duty i mean i don't know naz maybe that's more of a european thing we just don't get over here
3: yeah yeah uh, i don't know a lot of the a lot of the guys seem to like their sort of quirky anime in the dressing room and stuff. I remember uh, Raphael and Fabio De Silva are into like Nintendo and stuff and Kurt Zuma's quite similarly into it but yeah, it he it it doesn't quite dress uh, quite as flamboyantly as Mitchie uh, like with the with the backpacks with the, you know, like Spongebob square pants on them and stuff like that. It's pretty, he it makes you feel like a child again. I can see why. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it makes me feel hopeful. I hope he I hope he go takes this experience and um, boosts his career to a new level now Um, you know it's been tough it's been a tough year for him and I think that one tweet I really liked that I really saw that gave a really good insight was Carlo Cudicini's tweet about Michi Batshuayi and uh, I only saw it today in fact but it gave a really good insight into what the dressing room feels about him and uh, seems really popular in that dressing room even despite his you know struggling year and maybe Conte didn't trust him as much as he trusts some of his other players but He's put, he got his head down. He's worked hard, and uh, yeah, just a moment everyone around Chelsea and I will remember forever.
1: I really like the fact that that uh, the response that Michi had to that tweet too. That as uh, Cucini had mentioned that he didn't moan and didn't kind of you know was just a consummate professional. And Michi tweeted back that uh, he maybe he moaned a little with some uh,
0: laughing face emoji too.
3: <laughs> I didn't see that. That's brilliant.
0: Yeah, Mishi right away on the response saying thank you, and then you know fessing up a little bit that uh, it wasn't always sunshine. But again, it just, it's normal, right? I mean, you put that much time and effort into something; of course, you want to be involved. Uh, okay, good one. And and maybe Nas on this true/false, we won't make you stick your neck out there since you have uh, you know the journalistic ties. But true or false, Chelsea will win the double, Dan. I'm gonna go with a a
1: strong yes.
2: I'll convert that to true. Or true. Is, is there is there a way to do double true? Because that's what I would go with. <laughs> uh, I think we can go true true. Absolutely. Uh, you okay. know.
0: What is it for you? Is it just the fact that now Chelsea have won this, so much extra confidence in the team, Dan? Uh, is it a, a hybrid of the fact that we're playing Arsenal and it's a North London rivalry, or I guess not North London, but a London rivalry that makes it bigger? I guess like anything that kind of sways you to a strong, true.
1: You know, I, I think it's it's the way that we play. I think it's the way we look after, you know, the change after Arsenal gave us the catalyst to switch to a 3-4-3. Three, three. And I think I was, I was reading through the, the soccer Reddit that people were, her Spurs fans were so upset about the that Arsenal match now. And they look back at it as this uh, this terrible thing that they need to now, you know, make fun of Arsenal fans for, or kind of hate them for. Yeah. Um, but you know i think that the players are all playing at a very high level i think you know we're going to have an opportunity to rotate a couple players through in the next match or two and i think we'll have some some freshness some sharpness heading into that match where arsenal still have to really you know put everything in these next couple matches so that they can ensure potentially a spot in the top 4 so I, i'm i'm very confident i, I think antonio conte has molded this side and has put us in a position to go out and I think, as Naz said, uh, you know, win win every game or, uh, that they kind of head onto the pitch and you know it's a it's a cool feeling to have that back again at the club and to I think you know he's inspired all of us to I think be believers in what we what we should expect from the club.
0: You know, for me, I guess, and I don't know if this is the same for you, Naz, but like th- like Conte has been telling the players all season, believe in me, we will be successful. Okay, now they've been successful. I mean, you assume that their commitment and belief is just 10 times higher than it was, which is even hard to believe.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the belief in, you know, the psychology football is huge. And uh, that's where the leadership comes in. And Conte's built these guys up from 10th place team to first. And that's... that's that is a great achievement. It's a really great achievement. It's probably his best achievement or at least better than his Juve achievements. Uh, it, Cause it was, it's it's not easy to have done that. And there's lots of guys he's had to build back up. Uh, of course, Kante comes in as a, as a recent winner into the dressing room and a uh, great, great player, huge, made a huge impact. But yeah, that, that's what it's about. But I, do you think that the upcoming Arsenal game will be a lot tougher than a lot of Arsenal fans realise? I mean, a lot of Chelsea fans realise. I think that uh, maybe there's a... You know, Chelsea finished way above Arsenal. I mean, they're, they're, they're 21 points above them in the Premier League table, which is a massive gap. Um, but I think that I think that Arsenal have a chance and they're, they're ending the season strongly, which, uh, it, you know, I, I'm not saying that... Um, You know, I'm not saying that I still think Chelsea will win it, but I think that it's going to be a really tough game and could be quite tight. It could be quite.
0: All right, Nick, sticking with that double true.
2: Yeah, I I think the the thing that factors in now is there are essentially two weeks until Chelsea has to play that uh, FA Cup final. And. To be able to rest David Luiz, to be able to rest Angelo Conte, um, you know, and, and every player who's kind of picked up an injury has our, you know, Pedro, whoever, get get some experience on the field for guys like Shalaba and, and Mishi and, you know, the rest of the squad. I, you know, I think there's some real, some real advantage there. And, uh, you know, if, if Chelsea's medical staff are already this good and we've had such limited uh, injury threat this year, you know, I would have to believe that a couple of weeks to uh, rest and rejuvenate ahead of that final would be be pretty significant. So, um, and given that Arsenal always get hurt in, in big kind of moments, I, I think we're going to be all right. All right. Well, any other thoughts you guys want to throw in on this match
0: or maybe even just the title celebrations in general? Uh, there was so much on social media. So if you missed it, just head to Instagram. I think that's where we saw the majority of everything being posted. Then a lot of stuff reposted on Twitter. But anything we missed, Nick, that you kind of want to add in or, or touch on?
2: Um, you know, I think that. I would have loved to see Hazard, um, not get kicked to shit yesterday. (laughs) You know, I, I know, I know West Brom, you know, are are historically a very tough side and that Chelsea usually struggle against Pulis, uh, managed teams. Uh, and I think credit to them, they actually, you know, came out to play yesterday and, and could have, could have hit us on the counter a couple of times, but it's just sad to see him get kicked and, and, you know, it was, it was kind of like a ruthless uh, effort across the board. So that would be my only real takeaway. I mean, I think that it was it was overall kind of a, a crap defensive game. But um, for, for the neutral. But, uh, you know, again, any, any game you win the title, it's a good game. Uh, let's see, Dan, anything else?
1: Uh, two, two items. So
2: the third season
1: in a row, I saw the tweet from Christoph that a Belgian player has scored the title deciding goal. Um, so, uh, Hazard, two years in a row, one for us, one for Lester and now Mishi with the, uh, the third season in a row. So that'd be cool to see that trend continue amongst, uh, hopefully our Belgian players. And, uh, we're winding down the last couple matches of, uh, of Steve Holland being, uh, at, at Chelsea. And, uh, you know, I think that's a, a pretty cool thing for him to be a part of, uh, you know, in his last season with the club, uh, a title win. Uh, you know, he's been he's been one of the mainstays at the club, uh, especially as we've rotated through a significant number of managers uh, in during his tenure. And I think he's been a constant force, and it definitely, you know, it seems very, you know, very well liked and appreciated by Antonio Conte. So it's, uh, I think, all credit to him. And uh, you know, I think best of luck for him as he goes to join
0: Southgate with England. Anything else uh, from you, Naz?
3: Yeah, just uh, I suppose a shout out to Michi Batshuayi winning his first Ever major career honor um, Marcos Alonso too he'd never won a major trophy, but John Terry's won his fifteenth trophy with Chelsea uh, in his final season. Um, maybe he'll make it sixteen as well, but that's his fifth league title as well so uh, lots of the guys have, have really you know done something special for themselves for their career, something they'll always remember Pedro's first trophy in England uh, and Louise has won his first Premier League title. Even despite his long spell which well, quite long spell with Chelsea in the first time around. So, yeah, there's lots of these. Lots of these guys will have a moment to reflect upon that they'll that they'll take on to the the rest of their career and lives with great pride.
0: No, that's fantastic. Obviously, I just loved watching Tebow celebrate with the coaching staff because let's be honest, as a goalkeeper. You don't want to run all the way down the field. I mean, Antonio was much closer. It made more sense. You go over there. Uh, But just watching Antonio celebrate as well, maybe splitting open his lip. I mean, that guy has absolutely no regards for his physical well-being (laughs) when we score big goals. All right, Nick, your turn, my man. Man of the
2: match poll. Yeah, so I took a different approach. Obviously Chelsea won the title. Um you know, I think everyone was kind of feeling relieved and you know, there was not a, the sense of seriousness with the poll this week that <laughs> that I usually put into it, but I uh you know, who's your Chelsea West Brom man of the match? um antonio conte was the first uh option option a and then option b was just above with the little carrot symbol uh going up to antonio conte i just basically wanted to give him uh all the all the credit in the world for orchestrating leading celebrating uh being you know a a manager that kicks the cooks every ball on the field with the team uh i think he deserves it and uh uh, yeah, I, I don't think anyone had a real problem with this one, Brandon. No, and we will obviously get into some more season-long
0: stuff and players and how they went. But, yeah, you know, when you win a title, I think that's when the coach really gets a lot of recognition for that stuff. Um, well, as we can see, as Naz had mentioned, this is Chelsea's fifth Premier League title. And, uh, you know, from it goes of Premier League wins, we have now created a little space amongst the rest of the trailing pack just have a long ways to go to catch Manchester United, who have won 13 Premier League titles, Chelsea at five, Arsenal at three, City at two, Leicester, that's right, Leicester and Blackburn both at one apiece. Uh, But I think with that, we'll go ahead and move on to your social media questions. We have a ton, so make sure to stick around. We have another awesome quick shout from our friends over at World Soccer Shop. Here we go.
2: Dan, did you know that you could also get the Champions uh, 17 kit in, in the away and the third as well?
1: Yeah, they the, the away kit that they won the Premier League in at West Brom with the, uh, the wonderful yellow, neon yellow accents. And then also the gorgeous third kit in the white with the uh, almost translucent uh, lion imprint on the, uh, the shoulder.
2: Yeah, I think the white the white is actually uh, the cleanest of the three. To be completely honest with you, on my assessment there, but uh, but yeah, you can also get these same price as the home kit seventy four ninety nine. Uh, you know, it's it's a great piece to kind of commemorate the title, uh, the sixth in Chelsea's history. So head on over to worldsoccershop.com, Use our referral link. Support our show, and we will see you on the flip side. Alright, so time for your social media questions at Mickey
0: Rouse. Kicking it off says, What future does Batuai have if he stays next year? Whether Costa stays or not? We had a couple questions like this from Instagram as well. MCK.fc says, Does this mean Mishi will stay, not go on loan? And just Luke Yearwood asking, What do you think the future holds for Diego? You know, I think a lot of stuff as we look at this is a lot of question marks around the forward line specifically. People not thinking Mishi is a Conte player. Diego Costa potentially getting just stupid offers from China. He's even came out recently and addressed it. But I think that. A lot of it is up in the air. You know, we did see some success with two strikers up front towards the end of the season as well. Uh, we kind of had a discussion about the three-five-two, three-four-three system last week as well. But from my standpoint, at least, I think that uh, the forward line is going to be where we see the most changes overall. And I don't know what that means specifically for Mishi. I mean, do you? What do you think? I guess Nick, as far as the strikers and who's
2: going to be around. Uh, it's really tough to say. I mean, I think you know, for for Mishi to get this goal had to be huge for his confidence. You know, to get the start in the FA Cup semi against Spurs had to be huge for his confidence. You know, I I just I we haven't seen him play enough to really know what he offers. Um, you know, in you know, ten games in a row or something like that. So, really, really tough to say. We don't know if Costa is going to stay, and, and if Costa stays, I'd be hard pressed to think that anyone's going to unseat him from that uh that leading striker role so uh you know just to throw an actual prediction out there and not ride the fence uh i think he would either uh, ride the bench next year in a similar capacity or go out on loan uh at mel buck pitt asks
0: any thoughts on the pundit theory doing the rounds that it's a poor premier league and so and therefore kind of devaluing chelsea's achievement um I guess, like, I don't want to say this is your thoughts, Naz, but maybe you can go ahead and talk to how this title winning run has been uh, portrayed. I guess, what do you think, person? We don't even need to have you speak beyond the media. Just, you know, how do you think it compares uh, to being a quality win amongst the teams that were kind of chasing for the title at the beginning?
3: Well, yeah, I'm happy to uh, say that I disagree with that point that some pundits have made that it's a poor Premier League. Of course, there's no team as dominant as Real Madrid in the in the league. But I think that it's quite a competitive, quite an even Premier League. It's a, the Premier League you have to give a lot to even beat teams like Southampton, and uh, those those sorts of teams are are, are really good. Um, I think that the qualities um, spread out across more different teams than you have in Spain or Germany, and and that can be quite exhausting. and And that's an important factor because Chelsea haven't been in Europe, and we all know that that may have helped Chelsea. Uh, I mean, it's. Pretty evident that Chelsea have benefited from not having a lot of injuries. Uh, a lot of the stars have aligned to ensure that Chelsea became champions. It's, but uh, well, I think that Chelsea could have done it with the European campaign. I mean, the fact that they've wrapped up the title um, two games. With two games to spare, says a lot. It says that uh, that that that's something that um, you know they they won it quite comfortably, really. And there's no, there's the Spurs might even lose tomorrow or, or or lose again. So I don't think it is a poor Premier League, and I think that I think that that's more about the lack of impact that. Premier League teams are having in the Champions League, um, you know, no teams went particularly far. Uh, they've not, they've not gone far for a long, long time. Um, you know, Chelsea being the last champions, um, so. I think that I think that it's been an incredible achievement. Um, winning the Premier League, uh, you could just see from the players twenty minutes of celebration, non-stop celebrations in front of the fans after the game, and then they went back to the dressing room, continued the party, continued the celebrations. That's not a celebration of something that's uh, that's easy to do, is it? Um, so, for me, it's uh, you know it's, it's it's a huge achievement and will be remembered forever.
0: Dan, I think that the some of the TV pundits did the same thing last year with Leicester City, didn't they?
3: Yeah,
1: I think it's. I think Nas makes a really great call out there about the lack of European success for uh, the Premier League sides, and that being, you know, kind of the perception associated with you know winning teams in the Premier League is that you know the they must be weaker because. They can't get far in Europe, and then also win um, win a domestic competition. And I think that hopefully, heading into next season, with the right acquisitions, that uh, Chelsea can uh, you know go on a quest for another Premier League title and, and go deep into Europe and help to uh, dispel those mints mists like they have previously.
0: All right, next one up from at Matt Moosey saying, what lineup do you see Conte going with the next two games? Terry, maybe one or two youth start or youthful bench? And that is followed up on Instagram as well. People really interested in this since the league is wrapped up from Real Trigger. Uh, Do we play the youths or fringe players like John Terry and Jay May? Oh, wait, who would you like to see playing minutes in the next two games that hasn't played much this season? Um, Nick, I mean, I think that... Maybe not. Maybe I'm being emotionally over
2: invested and hoping that Terry gets to play the next hundred and eighty minutes. I I don't know. I if you're if you're using common sense, it would seem like that is a real possibility, you know, especially given David Louise's injury. Um, you know, I'm sure that you know there are a bunch of players who gutted out, you know, especially the last kind of six, seven matches in the season to kind of make the title happen. Uh, who would probably enjoy some rest, N'Golo Conte being chief among those. So, you know, it'd be great to see Nat Shalaba and Terry and Mishi and, you know, Nathan Ake, Kurt Zuma, you know, that kind of second tier of players at, at Chelsea uh, get back in and, and see what they can do. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure if, if Kennedy will get a run out uh, by any means, uh-huh. but I think, I think there is, you know, a legitimate chance that we see, you know, four or five, six changes for the next two weeks. Does that seem reasonable, Naz?
3: Yeah, I think I think that's that's about right. I think what Nick's saying. Um, I think that there there is six days between the last game of the season and the FA Cup final as well, though. So um, you know, it can be it can be almost detrimental for your. You know your match rhythm if you spend too long away from the pitch, so uh, there might be a bit of a stronger side playing against Sunderland just to keep that sort of momentum going uh, ahead of that game. But I, I think that you know Conte would have rotated his team anyway because there's only uh, what is it three three days between two fixtures there because of uh, the Friday game, and the Monday game uh, with Watford coming up. So, uh, but yeah, I think John Terry will will be one of the guys who definitely plays uh, a lot of minutes probably the full 100 and uh, you know 180 minutes uh, that's left over from the Premier League season so yeah i could see i could see that happening um and yeah i think I can't see somebody like Charlie Massonda playing, though. Um, I think he's supposed to be injured anyway, but uh, I can't see him or the under-18s coming in. Maybe there'll be you know, a, a surprise appearance from the bench for somebody like uh, Dujon Sterling, who's a great player who I've been really impressed with from the youth team, but I can't see anyone like that starting uh, one of these last two games. And C- Conte with Juve as well. Uh, he, he he was, uh, when he wrapped up the title Early. he still got very upset if his team dropped points in those last few games uh, even though there was not much to play for Conte still will be driving his players on to win he'll he'll want the wins he'll want both uh, both wins and to get to 93 points which will be uh, what what is it so that's the second best uh, points total in the Premier League history uh, after Jose's first season at Chelsea so he'll be driving for that and um, and it will be a record number of wins as well if he gets those two wins, so uh something to aim for, a little something so Conte will take these games seriously.
0: From at Chelsea underscore phobia says between the defensive Mourinho side of O four and the attacking side of 2010 with Ancelotti, the team feels like a medium of the two, doesn't it? Um Dan, I guess where where do you stand between the this kind of Mourinho of O four on the left, Ancelotti 2010 on the right? Where are you putting Conte in between that scale?
1: It's yes, it's um yeah, you know, I think if you're weighing the scale, it probably ebbs to being a little bit more of the the attacking side of uh, Ancelotti, just from the fact that when you know Mourinho kind of knew the game was locked down, you know you would see uh, you know the defensive substitutions come in, and it would really set the stage for you know fifteen twenty minutes of you know watching the ball get knocked out of bounds or kind of continuing forward to think about the next fixture now as you you're winding down the last few minutes. Um, And I felt like at no point this season, maybe outside of one game um, where we locked, you know, the game down or, you know, quote unquote, I think we always were attacking. We were always moving the ball forward. There was always a desire to score another. And that's exciting. I think, you know, it's it's tough to, you know, it makes sense to want to draw a comparison, but I think Conte's side is truly its own being at this point in that it really is made to get the ball forward and to continue to press and attack and to to work and fight for, for a victory.
0: Um... Let's see here. We've got, guys, i tell you, we've got so many questions. It's unbelievable. You guys just knocked it out of the park this week. At uh, Blue American 26 says, Where does this t- title win and season rank amongst the other five? And uh, Dan Levine actually put his opinion out there and said, Chelsea win their six league title. He's blessed enough to be there for five of them. Other than the 2005 win, he says this feels the most special. Nick do you I mean I know that a lot of our audience probably have been coming to Chelsea's fans throughout these five title wins but what do you think I guess it is as detailed as you can be
2: obviously I, I I don't think you can differentiate I mean I I trust Dan Levine's opinion you know obviously he's a, a guy who's been around and and been in uh, ingrained in the club for for much longer than I have but uh, I, I can't separate them. I know that there's like a, a, a recency bias to everything, you know, so it's it always feels the best when it's happening in the moment. Um, but, you know, I, I think that every title feels amazing. You know, the reason uh, that that the players celebrate for as long as they do is because it's 38 matches. It's a grind. You know, it is an incredibly hard thing to do you do have to have some luck you do have to have an incredible manager you do have to have players that buy in completely uh you know i think there's just so many factors that go into winning a premier league title that it would be almost impossible for me to say that this was better than you know the ancelotti title or you know anything like that i think that this felt comprehensive though you know i, I will say that maybe not as comprehensive as the the double back to or the back to back in 05 and 06 but it felt comprehensive. It felt like Chelsea were a team that could show you their work uh, week in, week out. And, and, you know, if you're, if you're grading them, uh, I think, I think they come out with a, a really solid a Dan, you know, obviously we just kind of had you put the, uh,
0: the Conte pin down on the, uh, the chart there, but what I mean, do you, do you have, you know, a strong opinion on this one? Like, are they all unique or is this one extra special because of Conte taking a team that was in 10th, coming into a league he's never been in and doing the business? I
1: definitely think it has a, a better narrative. So if you're talking about trying to to tell a story about what happened, which is, you know, what we spend a weekly basis doing um, for the, the vast majority of the year, uh, I think there is a a special undercurrent to the way the story goes um yeah I, I don't know I don't know if I could pick a favorite. I think winning every time is is great, and I think it's just fortunate to you know be rooting for a club that you know has a desire and a passion um you know even at the expense of sometimes players or managers and patients uh to go for the title and to go to win every time. And, uh, you know, you're very fortunate to have an owner that's very connected to wanting the club to win um, more so than, you know, I think some organizations that we've seen uh, across uh, England Mm -hmm. and even Europe.
0: It's so typical of us to be like, we need to rank these. No, we need to know which one is the best, which one was not. Um, you know, I think it's still early enough. We, we can all just, you know, appreciate it for what it is. We'll We'll uh, we'll nitpick everything a little bit later. At Chelsea, Eric underscore says, Can we get some Chelsea since 03 stats? Had a heated discussion about Chelsea being the most successful English club this decade. Validate me. And, well, I can't tell you. All of the stats we did see that since Roman took over in 2003, Chelsea have won five titles. Manchester United have also won five. Man City, two. Arsenal and Leicester one apiece. So I mean, as it stands, you know, it's been a great time. Like the fact that there is a definitive Roman era in Chelsea's history since Roman has came to Chelsea. I think now it's safe to say it's been a highly successful period.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's um the success is gonna roll on into the future. But um yeah, there's there's the curse there as well. You've got to remember the curse of the Premier League winning manager. Um, you know, the it since twenty ten when uh Ancelotti won the league, everyone who's won the league has not been at the club the the following season, so uh things can turn quickly in football. But uh you know, Ancelotti was sacked, uh, Ferguson stayed, but then Mancini was sacked, Ferguson retired, Pellegrini sacked, Mourinho sacked, Ranieri sacked, Antonio Conte, to be confirmed. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, quite... It, it, things turn quickly in football, but I think that one thing that won't turn is that Roman Abramovich's commitment to Chelsea, which is really important, and, uh, and that... That means long term success because everything that Roman gets involved in, uh, he wants to be the best. And luckily, uh, that's that's been Chelsea. So, uh, yeah, five titles uh, in in the Roman era. It's a big achievement. It's something that a club like Man City might envy. Uh, They want to sort of copy the Chelsea model, but they've not quite been able to do it.
2: Uh, Really quick, just have some stats that I would love to share with Chelsea Eric to kind of support his confirmation bias. Um, Since 2003, Chelsea have 14 major honors to Manchester United's 12 to Man City's five to Arsenal's four to Liverpool's three. So... Yeah, it's been a hell of a run. It's got to keep it
0: going now. Uh, Thank you again for everyone for sending in your questions. We got a ton on Instagram this week, which is fantastic. Continue to follow us there and interact. It is great. But we're going to go ahead and do our last little message before we wrap this up with a Watford preview. It's going to be here sooner than you think, Chelsea fans. Here we go.
2: Dan, uh, you know, you like the the white champions kit, right?
1: Yeah, it's dope. Super
2: okay, dope. so, you know, if you didn't want to go the kit route, is there another way that you could get something that said Chelsea, you know, 2016-17 Premier League champions on it?
1: Are you talking about it, maybe a, a shirt of some sorts, Nicholas?
2: That would be super Danathan. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there is a, uh, a wonderful champion shirt uh, with the wonderful uh, you know, Stanford the Lion uh, logo on it, and you know with the the year to commemorate the fact that we are the 2016-17 yeah, Premier League champions, and that is also available through WorldSoccerShop.com or a referral link which you can get to through LendersBluePodcast.com or through our links on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and so forth. Boom. Oh.
0: All right, well, let's go ahead and look at Watford Premier League action. We got to wrap this up. Uh, it'll be at Stamford Bridge this coming Monday, May fifteenth. It's only a couple days away. Potentially today, if you're listening to this in the future on Monday. Um, Naz, does this mean we get a guard of honor?
3: Um, yeah, yeah, there'll be there'll be a guard of honor uh, the the game after you confirm your title win, and um, so that. That'll be something to look forward to. Uh, Yeah, but I I don't think anyone's that bothered about Watford. I think everyone will still be celebrating. I just hope that the hangovers have cleared from the Chelsea guys. Lots
2: of IVs have already been ordered and uh, applied, I'm sure. Mishi is already back in the gym. He just posted to Instagram, so that is some special commitment. Someone probably told him that he's maybe looking to get a start i mean we all saw
0: diego costa <laughs> celebrating that dude is not going to be ready for a few days um then may- go ahead and ask. that's what
3: i thought as, no that's what i thought as well that was that was my uh, first thought it was like mitchy in the gym diego probably looking like one of the busiest players out of the lot of them yeah it looks like uh, it's like almost guaranteed that Mitchy's going to make his first Premier League start against Watford. It, it
1: it was excellent too when Costa handed Conte the bottle, and then Conte decided to basically kill off the, the remaining third or whatever was left after he'd been sprayed in the uh, the entrance into the locker room.
0: All right, well, I guess we've gone full title celebration. So I was surprised at how much Hazard was enjoying the bubbly as well,
2: and David Luiz. I have to get kicked that much. Um, you know, you need something to kinda help with the pain, Brandon. You just need to <laughs> get pretty drunk and, you know, everything feels better. All right. Oh, hard hard shift back to Watford.
0: Um Chelsea absolutely dominate in our past head to head matches with uh four wins, two of those coming from home. Uh the form guide, Watford, it looks like they are Absolutely limping across the line here. They have lost four of their last five. And Chelsea, last time we played right away at the beginning of the season, 20th of August, Chelsea 2, Watford 1. It was a bit of an interesting start to this one as kapu scored in the 50th 55th minute to give Watford the lead. Uh, but it was actually Mishi Batshuai in the 80th minute and Diego Costa in the 87th minute. Just getting that win in the last uh, kind of final minutes of that match. It, I think this one might be a little bit different, though, if I had to kind of predict how this was going to go, Dan.
1: Yeah, I think at home, having just won the title, uh, you know, I think we've all now uh, had a chance to experience a game at Sanford Bridge and the atmosphere there uh, on the precipice of winning the title. And now having confirmed it, I, I think everyone uh, players, fans, supporters uh, are going to be completely jacked for the match. And you know, Chelsea just are, are the better team on paper. They're the better team on you know, actual performance. And you know, to me, even with some substitutions, the way that Conte is going to will them, you know, he's. You know, if we win the remaining two matches, uh, we'll be the second highest points total uh, for, for a season behind a you know, prior Chelsea squad. So another little thing that we can continue to push for uh, heading up to the FA cup as well. Uh, Naz,
0: I mean, I'm assuming the atmosphere will be quite um, very party like in in, in Stanford bridge. I guess, what are you kind of expecting? Is there going to be any kind of on field, um, I guess like announcement or anything prior to the match, or is it just going to kind of be like business as usual until we get the trophy later?
3: Yeah, I think, they will respect the game in terms of you know don't over celebrate you know ahead of the game I mean after the after the game they might do a little a little celebration and maybe the announcer will say something but I think the players that do play have to be focused and they they have to play for spots they playing, you know if if one or two of them can impress enough in that game maybe they can get in the FA Cup Final team, so um, there's plenty for the individuals to play for. I guess Conte probably already had a lineup in mind before uh, before he won the title um, after the West Brom result. Anyway, he probably already knows which sort of players he's going to go with after checking their condition uh, tomorrow. Um, so I think that I think that I think that they'll take it quite seriously, and they have to. They have to be focused because uh, you don't wanna, you don't want to sort of dampen the mood and uh, you know and lose any form before you face Arsenal in the FA Cup final um, don't be too casual about it uh, too hungover uh, so I think that Chelsea will take it quite seriously but the main ceremony is going to be in the Sunderland game so uh, th- that's when the real party will begin
2: Quick Nick book our tickets we gotta go back there it is yeah so we gotta we gotta hit up Excel <clears throat> Tours to make sure we can uh make that make that whole thing work right that'd be amazing uh but yeah i mean what about
0: from the match standpoint i mean even with a bunch of changes uh you you'd assume that chelsea being professionals that they are you want them to go get this result right like we don't want to see chelsea drunkenly stumble
2: into the sunderland match right (laughs) you know i i i don't know yeah i i of course, I want to see him win. I think they will win. You know, I think that the display that we saw them put on against Middlesbrough on, on Monday um, is probably close to what we'll see in this match. You know, just a bunch of shots, a bunch of shots on target, a few goals. You know, it was it was a comprehensive win on Monday. I'm sure it'll be a comprehensive win uh, in a couple of days time. Uh, but again, you know, I've I've asked this question a bunch of times this year to, you know, some fans who are a little aggressive on the uh you know on the players or on the on you know whatever issue kind of kind of came up how mad could you be you know if if they didn't go out and put in you know just a top level performance you know after winning the title you know i'm i'm personally not going to get that upset you know i think that you want to win sunderland you want to have momentum going into the uh the fa cup final but uh you know i don't think you have to worry too much about this match to be completely honest with you i think conte will but i'm not personally alright well it's good to get a varying amount of
0: opinions here and I think that that's fine um, Naz I guess anything else that you want to kind of touch on I mean it's gonna be it's a quick turnaround that's what surprised me so you almost think there, there would be some changes anyways to the lineup just based on fitness but um, uh, I don't know I guess it it's kind of one of those weird matches where you're it's like Friday to Monday is such a short window I just kind of feel like there's there inevitably is going to be overlap from this trip to West Brom.
3: There'll be I think there'll be a few players that played versus West Brom um but I think that I think it will be quite a tough game really. I think it will be uh you know the Watford will be in better shape for it and and that that could be a factor. Um you know I don't I don't think they're better than Middlesbrough um but yeah they're still They're still not great. They're not in great form. Um, They're they're a below-mid-table team. Uh, Chelsea, much better. But Walter Mazzari has a bit of a rivalry as well with Antonio Conte. So he'll have the motivation to try and get his players up and cause an upset and beat the champions. And they've got their own things to play for, confidence for next season. Um, It'll be good for Watford if they can get a bit of a boost in confidence ahead of the new season by beating the champions. Um, So... Yeah, I think it's not, it's not, it's not a totally guaranteed victory, and they'll, there's a job to be done. Certainly, it's not like Borough, which was just the most one-way exhibition, exciting, but. Uh, Dominant performance at Chelsea, you know, have almost done all season. I think it'd be a little bit more tricky than that, especially with a few rotations. But a couple of goals from Itchy would be quite exciting, you know. And if on a start, maybe a hat trick, and uh, yeah, the Chelsea fans will will be uh, will be cheering every touch that he gets on the ball. I'm quite looking forward to seeing what his reception will be like after that.
0: Oh, that would should should just be fantastic, and. So I'm just going to go ahead and remind all of our listeners, make sure you're following Nisar on social media. He has amazing uh, post-match Facebook Lives as well as just content through the game. So go ahead and give him a follow. But I think we're going to wrap up this episode. Here, welcome Chelsea fans, a special Champions of England podcast for you. I skipped this last time, but Dan, I told you guys I wasn't going to forget this time. We do have final thoughts to properly end this episode. Therefore, I will turn it over to you, Dan.
1: Well, it's nice to see that in addition to the becoming champions of England, that we are looking to claim as many additional titles as well. And one of those would potentially be the Golden Glove for Thibaut Courtois, who is now on 16 clean sheets for the season to uh, Hugo Lloris's 15 so uh, it is possible with the last two matches we have to uh, take away what would have been many one of the only uh, points of kind of a commendation or recognition that any of these Spurs players would receive this season so
0: uh, go on Tebow wow that's straight savage of him we'll have to see how that goes Nick uh, what about you sir
2: yeah, I just wanna to quickly touch, I know we'll we'll cover off on this in our, our season recap, but uh, you know, looking back to our, our first live pod in Minneapolis and and you know meeting Naz and that kind of whole experience that we had up there for the preseason, you know, this this moment is super special and I, I don't think you can take it for granted. You know, I think the the way the team evolved and the way Antonio Conte evolved and uh, you know, the way that different players stepped up at just the right time. You know, it's a special, special team with special characters. Uh, you know, I just wanna give them all the credit in the world. This has been a, a phenomenal season, not only for for Chelsea, but for our podcast as well. And uh we, we owe it to the string of results that that followed Minneapolis.
0: Well, it has truly been a special run, and uh, it's been a big season, obviously, for ourselves, being able to hang out with Naz as much as we have. Uh, What a a fun run it's been, sir. Uh, Just a quick reminder to everyone where they can follow and read all of your magical articles.
3: Yeah, well, I work for gold dot com, so everything ends up on there. About half of the Chelsea stuff, I'd say, is mine, and then uh, we. I work with some other great journalists on there, so yeah, it's been a really pri- real privilege. But yeah, gold.com is on like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, all the usual spots, and and I'm on all those kind of spots as well. I'm very much a sort of social media journalist, I suppose you'd say, and uh, try to. Get fans along on the journey uh, of of Chelsea, really, and try to explain the story of the uh, Chelsea seasons. And it really, been great following Conte this year, and uh, just want to wish like you know Chelsea fans all the all the joy and uh, and and happiness this weekend, just to celebrate. Because uh, yeah, like like Nick said, these achievements are uh, hard fought and may not come round every single season. So have a party. Uh, you know and enjoy it watch the goals Uh, it's been it's been quite a journey this year hasn't it
0: it has you know it's going to be a 38 game season and that that opens itself up for a lot to happen so for chelsea to put together such an amazing run a complete performance as these guys have said from top to bottom has been just so so special to watch so with that being said chelsea fans enjoy your championship weekend as you know we will i mean the pot the champagne is still being poured i can hear it back there guys that i know i know bubbles bubbles Enjoy it all. Friends, everyone out there, Chelsea fans, and you know what to do until next time. Keep the blue flag flying high.